0: It's time to enter the
1: Spoilerverse via our secret portal of the exclusive Arctic Club in beautiful downtown Seattle with our hosts, John, Ann Kenrick, and Jeff. Welcome to
2: Spoiler Country.
0: Hey, if you're listening to our show for the first time and you're on one of the social medias that we're on, like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, any of those kinds of things, you should always check us out on Spoilerverse.com. But. If you want to keep up with our latest episodes, you should bring out your smartphone, get into your favorite podcaster, find Spoiler Country, and hit subscribe. Then you'll get all our new stuff. And if you want to reach out to us, you can do that in two ways. You can call us, leave us a voicemail at 707-656-2080, again, 707-656-2080, or you can shoot us an email at SpoilerCountry at gmail.com. Citizens to the Republic of Spoilerverse, welcome back to Spoiler Country. I'm Kenner Cregan. Johnny is gone today. But today on the show, well, it's Charlie Stickney, isn't it? And we had a lot of fun. Melissa got to sit down and have a nice long chat with Charlie and kind of go over all the stuff that he has going on. Um, He sits down. He talks about uh, the glaring that's set in the White Ash universe. And if you don't know what White Ash is all about, Charlie kind of preface it as Romeo and Juliet meets Lord of the Rings in rural Pennsylvania. Interested? Let's find out more and listen to Charlie talk with Melissa in his own words.
1: This is Spoiler Country, and I'm Melissa Sercha. Today on the show, I'm joined by producer, comic book writer, and co-publisher at Scout Comics, Mr. Charlie Stickney. Welcome to the show.
2: Oh, thank you so much for having me.
1: Thank you for being here. How are you doing today?
2: You know, I, I always feel like that that question right now is so loaded because you know we're in this new reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, of, of being inside all the time. And, you know, when you go outside, you duck and cover. Yeah. But, you know, you know, aside from that, the play was, the play is really good. Mrs. Lincoln. No, I'm, I, I've actually had a, a good couple of months. Scout Comics is doing really well. And so I, I don't have anything to complain about and I'm healthy. My family's healthy. I hope the same is going for you.
1: Awesome, thank you. Yeah, no, I know we are in definitely strange times, but appreciate that we can still uh, create art and and talk to people like you, you know, on our show. So thankful for that as well. So yeah. I, no.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. Like, I, I think right now art is is really important, and people are looking for something to you know do while they're home. And I think comics have really kind of filled that void for a lot of people right now.
1: Yeah, people are reading more, they're creating more as well. I mean, I think there's only so much television that you can binge watch, you know, before you are are like, okay, I need to stimulate my my brain some some other way.
2: <laughs> yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah. So how did you get started in the comic book industry?
2: So I, I you know, I when I was in high school, I I wanted to go into comics and I was a double major in film and studio art in college. Mm -hmm. And I interned at Marvel Comics and I had full intention of moving to to New York right after graduation to become a comic book writer and possibly an anchor. And then I got a job offer from a company that was out in Los Angeles from an alumni from my college in the film industry. And so I said, well, I'll just try that for a little bit. And then here I am 20 years later, still out in Los Angeles. And I was very fortunate to get to work um, in a lot of different aspects of the film industry from animation to independent film, to feature film, uh, a little bit in television. And, but through all of that, you know, I've always had a love for, for comics and for, you know, narrative uh, storytelling through the use of sequential art. And about, about five years ago, you know, like the, the way that Hollywood has, has shifted, that mm-hmm. everything started becoming about IP again and, you know, I, I didn't want to write a show that was based on a comic book. I didn't want to do a movie that was based on a comic book. I figured if I was going to do that, I might as well just do a comic book. <laughs> right. So because and I, and I was fortunate through animation that I had a lot of artist contacts and and went through a process and started putting together this book, White Ash, that eventually launched on Kickstarter. And we started building up a following there on Kickstarter and social media through the book. And that eventually led me to to scout comics who wanted to publish it. And I decided to work with them as as, as part, publishing partners. And you know, along the way, it was such a good fit that they asked me to come join them and help grow their company as well as growing my own brand. And it's been a wonderful fit. That's great. Uh, it's a creator first kind of company. And so now I get to help other creators bring their dreams to life. And at the same time, make sure that the stories that I want to tell get out in the format that I'm looking to tell them in.
1: Awesome. And and you mentioned your series, White Ash. Can you tell us a little bit what what that's about? And is that a complete series? Do you have more issues planned for it?
2: So the the quick one-line pitch on that is it's Romeo and Juliet meets Lord of the Rings in rural Pennsylvania. Nice. The other thing I like to say is that if like the guys from Supernatural got stuck in Riverdale, but instead of battling demons from hell, they had to deal with the worst of Mordor. <laughs> so like, there's a quick, quick, little hooks for people. But yeah, it's it's actually a really big series. I have it slated out roughly for about sixty issues, and we're gonna have our first White Ash prequel mini series coming out next year. Mm-hmm. And so I'm gonna be using those series. I have like 3 of them in the next couple of years scheduled to go to try to flesh out the the universe a bit more because like I said it's a, it's a big story that I have that I'm looking to tell and okay. you know it's it's very ambitious but now that I'm working at Scout I c- I can make sure that that keeps coming out and like c- again can tell the story the way I was looking to tell it.
1: Okay and that are you referring to is it it's Glarian is that how it's pronounced?
2: So so that yeah that's a, so we're doing a one shot through Scout and then there will be a Kickstarter later on in the year i i work in a model where because the markets become so divided because the economics of independent comics at this point are difficult to sustain Mm -hmm. a series if you want to pay an artist the the kind of wages they deserve to be paid and you know i i am always looking for good partners who can earn a living wage when they work Mm -hmm. so for me it's about multiple revenue streams so with white ash and, and and with glarian one of the things i like to do is i I like to order, offer up sort of like a premium, advanced version okay. of, of the book, and then the book will later on be distributed through Scout. There will be some discrepancies between the two. There might be some new pages in the Scout version. It, you know, one might be a black and white versus the color version. But you know, like it, because it gives two different products for two different markets, and okay. that way, you know, we can raise enough revenue to make sure you know, that these products keep coming out and that the creators who I work with are compensated the way they need to be.
1: Okay, and Glarian is available for pre-order right now. Is that
2: correct? Right, the The one shot is. it's okay. the, the one shot is three stories that are set in the White Ash universe featuring this character, Glarian, who is Lillian, who is one of the main characters of White Ash's mother. And I like to describe Glarian as uh, the most dangerous character in the White Ash universe. Okay. She's sort of across, like an like elven red Sonia.
1: Oh, cool, um, yeah.
2: Yeah. And, uh, you know, in, in all regards, you know, just sort of in her lust for life or for hedonism and uh, the, the mini-series that comes out, is going to be exploring her backstory, but it's also going to be juxtaposed with a story that's being told in 1971, New York, about a young woman who's having visions of being her uh, about 3000 years ago in Elfheim and how the two stories will eventually dovetail together and you'll see, you know, how they're connected
1: interesting sounds like maybe a little reincarnation or, or something to that effect <laughs> yeah.
2: like I, I, like for me I, I think there are a lot of places that have done high fantasy. Mm-hmm. What I like to do is I like to give fantasy that has context to what people currently understand. you know like like so I, mm-hmm. I, I like to speak to experiences that people are having right now, but also give them some escapism and and I, I think at least for us when you can do those two things together, that then the work resonates more with people. It's not just seen as, Oh, they, they made up these crazy lands and these crazy mm-hmm. names. No, no, it's, you know, these are, you know, much in the way that I think, you know, literature like Harry Potter, it's, it's set in the real universe. Like all, if you mm-hmm. only knew these things were going on, I think, I think that's, that's the unnatural step for a lot of people. It's, it's easier for them to, to buy into that kind of universe versus just a, a completely made up land.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it, yeah, like you said, it's more relatable, and you can kind of imagine and put yourself into the story because if it's set in a modern or urban setting, you can go, oh, well, what if this really did exist? You know, what if there was this magical world? You know, just around the corner.
2: That's why. That's why I really liked uh, the Magicians that was recently on Sci-Fi. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, it's on my list. I, I haven't watched it yet. <laughs> oh, it's like for me, it's one of my favorite shows that have come out in the last couple of years, and the first season is a little difficult. Because it grows into what it's going to be as a TV show, and I think that's okay. always tough when you're adapting something, mm-hmm. uh, and because you have to find the rhythm for this new medium, and and it takes them a while to kind of realize who the better actors are for their show, um, right. but you know at its core it's almost like it's almost like a grown-up Harry Potter.
1: Yeah, uh, uh, definitely with, have to check it out
2: with, with a darker tone. So so if you liked Harry Potter as a kid, you'll probably like Magicians as an adult. Okay. Um,
1: so. Yeah, no, I'll definitely have to check it out. I was a little older when Harry Potter came out, so I didn't actually get on the Harry Potter bandwagon. But but I do appreciate it, you know, for what it is and, and the sure. magical aspects of it. But yeah, the Magicians looks fantastic, and I do like the darker storylines.
2: Yeah, um, it, 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 I think that's that was like it was hard for people, especially in the first season, because it is really a dark universe, and like the books are even even darker. Oh, cool. um, looking at people who have kind of given up on life. And, you know, are drinking themselves into oblivion and things like that. Oh, and, wow. You know, and like, these are all lost souls who kind of come together at, you know, what, what I like to call the like, uh, Hogwarts University. It's, it's called Break Bills University. But, mm-hmm. you know, check it out. I, okay. I like it. But if you enjoy it at the beginning, it gets better as the ensemble goes along.
1: Oh, cool. Yeah. A lot of shows are are like that. You know, if you can just get past, you know, the that initial six episodes or the first season, they tend to grow into themselves and get better. I think that's the hard part is is getting past that, you know, especially if they're brand new, brand new actors, and maybe they had a low budget when they first started, you know, it does get hard to, to sink your teeth into, but no, I'll definitely check that out.
2: Well, and I think the same thing is true for comics too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like it, it, you're you're doing a it's a balance that you have to figure out because you don't want to give too much away right off the bat. Mm-hmm. but if you don't hook people enough, they don't have a reason to stick around. yeah. so so I think especially for for independent books, that's mm-hmm. one of the hardest things to do is to establish your universe in a way that's interesting and isn't just a lot of backstory right um, you know I, I think like for TV pilots, someone I worked with once said, you know like the best thing is like the TV pilot, it needs to function as two things, which is why it's one of the most difficult things to write. It has to function as a template for what a normal episode will be like. Mm-hmm. And it has to introduce all the characters and the world. Right. right. So, you know, so you need to look from that and know what your rhythm of your show is going to be like. You have, you know, like these kind of things happen in an episode especially if it's you know non-serialized television, like if it's, if it's an ER or, you know, some kind of medical drama or a lawyer drop you know, you're, you're setting up the template that other episodes will follow. But right. I, I still think like a lot of those principles hold true that when you're, when you're launching a, a new comic book series, you have to be very particular that you don't get bogged down in trying to introduce everyone in mm-hmm. that first issue, but you have to make it accessible and you have to, give a flavor of what the book to come will be like. So it's, it's you know, there's a lot of give and take there that you have yeah, to, to like, think about that once you get into the world, you don't have to do.
1: Yeah, you have to balance the, or you have to go kind of against, you know, not info dumping too much, you know, backstory in the beginning, but also giving just enough, like you said, to to keep people interested and in wanting to read more. So I could imagine that must be really challenging.
2: Yeah, and then I think that's that's why a series can sometimes be better, Once it goes on, because once you've introduced the characters in the world, then you can get into the the meat where you start telling the story you want to tell. And, you know, and, and so getting people past that initial hurdle of buying into your universe, buying into your characters, then they're excited to go on to a journey and you can just string together multiple stories now that they, you know, want to see those characters going on adventures.
1: Right now, I know you've written scripts as well. As you said, you're you're in film and television for a little while. How did you? How was that different writing a script versus writing panels for a comic?
2: Well, uh, I think there's a lot of different differences between, say, film, animation, television, comics, and you know, one of the primary things that you have that's a difference is in film or television, you have actors whose faces can be seen. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and you're counting, you know, like you don't want to have dialogue that says everything you want to have the, you know, the pose, you know, the actor be able to carry off the emotion in the scene. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you'd roll things back that you might have, you know, that you might need to put in terms of exposition in a comic book.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: and the pacing is different. The pacing of where, where, you know, like com- comics, like it. So for each medium, they have their own specific things that are unique to the medium. Like, so for, for comics specifically, you know, page turns are a big part of good comic book writing, mm-hmm. thinking about, you know, that experience for the reader when you're writing the script. So that, that's different. The length of a scene is going to be different. How quickly you transition from place to place might be different. You know, the balance or how long you have to tell, a segment of your story might be different. Okay. You know, like when you're looking at a feature film, you're often looking to tell one inclusive story. And so, you know, you have your first act, your second act, your third act, and each of those has specific beats and rhythms that you want to hit. Television is more akin to the comic medium because that's a sequential narrative kind of medium where you're trying to tell multiple stories and, you know, each episode has its own story generator, or you're in a world and you're taking all of these, you know, like there are new, there are individual stories that happen in each episode of a TV show.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Like that happens in a comic book where you have you know, you have a contained story usually in each issue, even if, you know, it's part of a bigger picture. So that's why I like to say that comics and TV are very similar, you know, and like an animation is somewhere in between those. But you also write different levels of description for each of these different things. TV is probably the least amount of description. A lot of television, mainly dialogue. Animation, you sometimes have to call every single shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, because depending on the storyboard arts that you're working with, they need more or less direction. And, and then, then when you go to to comics, it's it's a little bit of the Wild West because mm-hmm. uh, there is no standard form for comic scripts. Where in the other mediums, there are very specific things that people expect. And if they get a script that doesn't look the way it's supposed to, they won't even consider it as a professional script. Oh, interesting. Um, So you really need to learn screenplay format. You need to learn teleplay format. You need to learn animation format to be able to be in those universes Mm -hmm. where comic book writing, it's more about what works between the artist and the writer or the artist, the writer, and the editor. And you need to find a rhythm for that particular team that works in terms of the script.
1: Okay. Okay. Well, and I'm sure there's there is preferred formats as for like what the reader prefers, you know, popular formats that are easier to, as you say, turn the page.
2: Yeah. Well, so in, you know, like the, the thing that to remember about all of these mediums is the scripts are not the end product right
1: mm-hmm,
2: right the end product is the tv show the end product is the you know the movie the end product is the comic book so you know like for me i i, I don't know which book I, I i stole this from so i apologize <laughs> about the attribution right it might have been brian michael bendis who said you know that that a good comic book script should be a letter between the artist and the writer mm. oh um, yeah and you're providing, you know, it's, it's a back and forth, and you're providing them the kind of information that they need because you are embarking on, in, in many ways, a one on one collaboration with this person to build a world together. Yeah. Whereas, like, I say, a film script, you're gonna go through a lot of drafts you're going to you know like a new actor is going to come in, they're going to rewrite a part for that actor. You know there's different permutations of that script. The director is going to come in and say let's do these notes, let's do this, let's do that. So if it's in that you know interchangeable format that anyone can come in and you know quickly rework because I have final draft or you know or whatever you know, screenwriting program and I can just pull it up and, and change the dialogue of a character you know like that's that's just how that production system functions, Okay. Versus, you know, like I, you know, I'm sitting down with an artist. You know, some artists in comics prefer to have a very detailed script that says, you know, I, I, this first page has seven panels. You know, the first panel is this large panel. The second panel is low angle. The third panel, and others, you know, just say, just write your dialogue. Tell me the action, and I'll break it down. Okay. Um, so it, it it really depends on that that person you're working with. What you know, what they what they like. What's going to help them do the, you know, bring everything that they can to the world where they don't feel constrained, but they also don't feel left on their own.
1: Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. It just depends on how well the artist and the writer work together. And I'm sure it's it's different, like you said, for every symbiotic relationship. Now, Yeah, yeah go ahead. Yeah, no, I was going to ask you, but no, continue your thought before we go go on.
2: <laughs> and that's also, that's also where the editor comes in. You know, oh, if, right. Like if, if you're working for if you're working for Marvel, if you're working for you know IDW or some place or DC that has uh, a house style or they have an editor who's helping to coordinate things, mm-hmm. there might be some qualifications on you know how they like the script because they have to send it out to their writers but in in the world of more independent comics like if, if you're looking at something that's image it's creator owned most of the creator owned comics it's it's a one to one between the writer and the artist
1: okay that's cool makes it more organic now as a publisher or co-publisher at, at scout how do you balance working on your own comics and then also you know trying to publish other other people's comics
2: well, I, I think, you know, that there's two parts to that. There's there's the, you know, the part of, of getting work done and making sure that, you know, my own artistic endeavors are advancing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is where it comes back to the fact that it's much easier to write something than it is to draw something in terms of the amount of time it takes. Okay. So, you know, I can spend three to four weeks writing something and then... The artist will go away for six months, Uh, you know. So, so like you know, then I have four to five months to devote to other things. Now, now the truth is, like I don't take that four or three to four week, you know, to just go do the writing. So that might be over, you know, uh, two months or three months that I'll I'll do a script, but then I can hand it off to you know the artist that I'm working with. And on White Ash, my my partner is Connor, and and he, yeah, like I have plenty of time to do other things while, you know, while he's off drawing. Okay. But, but on the, you know, the other side is like, it's, I I think you have to compartmentalize that, you know, your job is, is two different things. It's to grow the company as, as publisher by putting out good product. But, you know, at Scout, we're also trying to promote other creators, you know, we want this to be a create our own company. We want creators to feel good about having their books at Scout to be part of something. And we encourage, you know, I, and I get this in the Kickstarter ecosystem where a lot of creators, you know, you're there, you're a family, you're a community. And so I'm trying to foster kind of the same environment at Scout where you see, and you see this on, on Twitter and Facebook, you see other writers and artists plugging the other books that Scout comes out because they're trying to help each other. and Mm -hmm. and, and increase the visibility. So like, so for me, you know, my job is as, as publisher, you know, in addition to making sure that we're putting out great books, putting them out on time is to build a a scout community um, and make sure that, you know, when I'm calling, you know, a shop, I'm promoting the scout community. You know, if I have like say glaring coming out, I'll maybe we'll tag that on the end. But, you know, a year or two ago, I would be calling them to tell them all about my book. And now I'm trying to spread the Scout brand. And as a little side, hey, by yeah. the way, this is previews right now.
1: Yeah. Um, now, that's fantastic so- that you guys, you know, everybody supports each other. I, I'm my publisher, I, I write novels and we do the same thing. We're an indie press and we promote each other's works, not just our own, because as you said, we're trying to grow the press as well. We, you know, we want as much attention on the entire publishing house and not just ourselves individually.
2: Right, and, and and you know we're we're working to 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 try to find ways to make the creators we work with more visible, you know, in association with the Scout brand, but also to promote their own brand. Yeah, win win for everyone, and together we can can amplify each other in a way. You know, that even you know our, our company has a lot of contacts with media and press and things like that. But it, anytime a new creator comes in, they're bringing in new readers and mm-hmm. new contacts, and together we just you know we assimilate them.
1: That's yeah. Nice. Yeah, of course. Integrate them in. <laughs> what what types of stories are you currently on the lookout for? So for people that, you know, want to submit, what are what are some areas that need to be filled, for example?
2: Well, I, I, I would say more than areas that need to be filled, it's the areas that don't need to be filled. Okay. You know, we're not looking primarily for superhero books. Mm-hmm. We're not looking for zombie books. <laughs> maybe no more, like we have a couple of good vampire books coming out, but we might not need one for the near future. Okay. Unless you have a really unique take on that. And I think everyone thinks they have a unique take <laughs> on those things, but I'm just going to say, you know, if, if someone's listening to this and they're thinking about submitting to Scout because they have a book that's in those categories, if you, you know, if it does not get accepted, it's just a harder climb in those areas because the market is somewhat saturated and we don't want to put something out that we can't, you know, you know, support in a way that's going to make you the creator money, make the company money. Yeah. Aside from that, you know, we're looking for, for people, you know, we're looking for creators and the product. We're not just, you know, we don't just look at the the title. I mean, we do, but it's not always in a vacuum. It's in the context of who is this creator, you know, you know, and I think people do this now and they should, they check social media profiles to make sure that Mm -hmm. these are the kind of people, good people that are supportive of other people that, that you want to work with. And, you know, I mean, we're, we're looking, we have lots of different lines, we have a horror line called black caravan. Mm -hmm. We have a children's line called scoot. We have a new line that's launching next year called our outsider line which you know is is more LGBTQ and people of color and mm-hmm. people who haven't in the past felt as welcomed mm-hmm. by you know the the general nerd community. And that's that's based with a shop that's called outsider comics. So that's where the, the name and the branding comes from. But oh, like cool. that's so so we're doing things in all those different arenas. So so really if you have a you know we're doing everything except for superheroes, except for zombies. I I, I you know we look for good stories. We want people who are good storytellers, who have unique vision. And you know, we also want you to have a good artist attached because you know you, you need to have a certain level of professionalism with anything that we put out. And we've been fortunate as a company over the last year to have tremendous growth, which means we have a lot more submissions. The caliber is really high. The things that are coming out in 2021 mm-hmm. look amazing. And, you know, that lets us be very picky about what we're adding to, to the slate, but we're, we look at submissions every day and, you know, we're, we're constantly like, if you submit, we do look at it.
1: Okay. And so what is your, you know, and I, I was poking around your website just to get more of an idea of how you guys operate and and what your vision is. So what is your ideal proposal when you're, what you're looking for? I mean, obviously you mentioned having a good artist and being professional, but, but what is sort of like the, the ideal dream proposal that you wish would come across your desk?
2: Well, I I think it's, it's something that you can immediately see the story. And like, I I think this, this is always the thing that people are looking for. It's that story that, oh, of course that's the pitch. Mm -hmm. I, I could have sworn I would have seen that movie, or read that book, or seen that comic five times, but I never have before. You, you want something that just—it it just hits you like, "Of course! Why didn't I think of this? This is such a great idea!" You know. So I—I I think because that's sellable. It's—it's it's something that you can immediately—you see the story from the one liner, you see where it's going, and then the writer can subvert that narrative, you know, as they go forward. But it, it's something that's, thats you know—that are ideas that, you know, that, that the general underlying theme is easy to grasp and it's exciting to people. And then it's your execution of that idea that makes it unique and, and that makes it different and and not the thing that we've seen a hundred times before. Right. Um, You know, I I guess that's a very amorphous response to that. So, you know, I I can't, you know, I'd love to be able to say we're, we're looking for something with a ninja robot (laughs)
1: that,
2: on its planet. And it has to fight through, you know, the solar system to get home to, you know, to the young boy that used to dream about him as a kid that he was separated from, like whatever, whatever you know, it's like, it's it's, yeah. it's more like it's that intangible, this is it. And, and that's, that's a really hard thing to, you know. Yeah. To, well, it's like the high, high concept. To, yeah. It, it's, yeah. It's, it's high concept, but you know, like, let me give you a great book, which was uh, Canopus, which we put out earlier this year. And, you know, like, that is by this indie cartoonist, Dave Chrisholm, and it's a fantastic story. And I liked, you know, it's, it's about this woman who, she's a scientist, and she wakes up on a planet in a spacesuit, and she has no memory of who she really is and how she got there. Oh, wow. So, you know, like imagine gravity plus amnesia, mm. and you're on a planet, right? Yeah. And like, that's the starting point for and she's going out exploring, trying to figure out who she is before she runs out of oxygen, right? In in this, and it was, you know, it, it's in a little bit of a cartoony style, but it's it's a fabulous like like from that, you know, like from that pitch, it, it, you know, people want to read it.
1: Oh yeah, I'm hooked uh, already. <laughs>
2: yeah, but you know, but it's going to go in a lot of different ways that you that you that you don't expect, and, and the story is really interesting. But like, I I, I want things that. People say, "Oh yeah, exactly." I want to read this because that sounds fascinating to me. And and not every writer, you know, some people are really good at writing, but not good at selling themselves mm-hmm. because those are two very different skills. You know, it's our job to see what's sellable in something. It's our job to help you be able to bring that to market and, and, and market it that way, so we can come up with the hookiest pitch to get people to read your work. Yep. But there's got to be that thing underlying it that makes me say, "Oh God, I want to read this." Yeah, uh, And then, and then you know, like, unfortunately, you know, it's, it's about being able to execute that too, because we've had cover letters that were, oh my God, I want to read this. And then either the art doesn't hold up or mm-hmm. they don't know how, you know, like they had the great hook, but they can't, can't pull it off.
1: Can't pull it off. Yeah. That's, that's disappointing. So you, you mentioned your imprint, the outsiders. So, and I wanted to ask you about accurate representation in comics. So is this this is an imprint that's going to focus on, like you said, diversity, LGBTQ, POC voices. And what are you doing to try to attract mm-hmm. more artists, you know, of color and of the LGBTQ community to get them more involved?
2: So, I mean, I, I think like that's, there's a couple answers to that. You know, like, like that's important to me as, as a person that we're telling stories for everyone. I was just talking with a comic book shop the other day, anyone comics, you know, you can tell from their name, the kind of, you know, what they're looking to do, Mm -hmm. right. They want to have comics that, you know, serve to everyone. I, I think it's important as a company that you are telling stories for everyone, that you have tales that speak to different experiences and that you have creators that can truth, you know, honestly bring those things to your book. You know, I, I think that if you are a writer, and there's subject matter that isn't necessarily like, like for instance, like the, the Galarian mini miniseries that that I'm doing that's coming out, you know, later this year, mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure that that was drawn by a woman, like that was important to me. I wasn't going to do this book with with a male artist. I'm working with uh, Melissa White as, as my editor on it to awesome. make sure that I have another voice you know, in my head, making sure that, that we're representing things the, the way I want them to. So like, so that for me, that that's, that's important in terms of, you know, what we're putting out as a company, we can only put out what we get. Yeah. You know, so like, you know, we have a great book that's coming out in February. That's in previews right now called Black Cotton. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen that. I did
1: you- see it. Yeah. I looked I love the cover.
2: Yeah, which which is you know Brian Hawkins is doing it, and he's doing an exploration of you know racial profiling and things like that with a society that you know has it, where, where everything switched, where like you know, where where it's a it's a black dominated society where whites are the minority, mm. and, and there's a white woman who's shot by a black officer, and and just seeing how that plays out through a different lens. Okay. So like that's you know that's something that that you know Brian brought to us, and you know we were we said yes to, but if he hadn't brought it to us, you know, we can't put it out. Mm -hmm. And what I don't want to do as a company is you don't want to start lowering your standards and see like, like we would like to have more tales by, you know, more books written by women, more books that, you know, from the LGBTQ community by people of color, Mm -hmm. but you can only, again, it only comes down to getting the good versions of what's submitted. Right. And You know, you don't want to be unfair to your other creators to put out a book just to serve a community. You want to put out the good version of that book to serve the community, right? Um, So, like, I I think like that—that's the 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 balance that you're trying to walk as a publisher. But ultimately, it comes down to you want to put out good books to serve everyone, but you need to have creators coming to you with those books. So, I think you know, people who know me on Twitter know kind of where where I stand on things. So, I think that helps. Yeah, you know, attract creators who might not have wanted to come to check out Scout before. I mean, the the primary. I mean, like at the at the end of the day, the the owners of the company and a couple of and a couple of partners are all you know white men. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's just just what it is. But you know, we as a company are concerned with those things, and we're trying to bring in more people to editorial positions or to other positions to to to, f- to flesh out the diversity of the company.
1: Yeah, that's fantastic. Awesome. I love hearing that. You know, it's great to see, you know, the possibilities are really endless of what you could do in the future. And just as you continue to grow and expand, I mean you have so many titles as it is. And I think it's great that you're just acquiring all these new imprints and and new titles. It's just gonna really put you on the map, I think, you know, and, and to get you into more people's homes.
2: Well, thank you. And I also think like that just speaking as a writer. You can create a lot of different experiences and, and you can imagine them and and you can write things. But you know there are certain experiences. Reading about it doesn't make, you know, a, a, and researching it isn't the same as living it. Mm-hmm. And making sure you're partnering with people who have lived those stories, who understand those characters maybe in a different way than you do. Will make your your what you're doing you know more rich. Uh, it will rich and it will enrich it. So I, I think you know that's that's you know that's something that writers can do when they're trying to figure out what partner they're working with. When you reach a place where you have those choices, like when I when I first started working with say with White Ash, you know I I it was about finding the best artist I could to help build mm-hmm. that brand. And I love working with Connor, and he is an amazing artist and fincram Who's our, our colorist on on that book is amazing too. But then when like I did the second book the idea was was called the game, and I you know we're going to bring in a different colorist to give it a different work as look because Connor Hughes I wanted to make sure the colorist was a woman, mm-hmm. and so we're working with Fiona Farrell on that. So I think when you have choice, it's about making the right choices, you know that that work creatively, but also work holistically to make what you're you're doing a more enriching experience for everyone.
1: Right. And now, and from a logistic standpoint, for your own writing, for example, how do you go about finding those artists? Is it word of mouth? Do you have like a database of people that you can pull from?
2: Well, I, I am. It, it's interesting. Like it's 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 a smaller community than you would think. Okay. Um, I feel like it it feels large on the outside, but you know, as as someone who's like I said, worked in in all the different mediums. Comics is one of the ones that's the most welcoming, where the minute you start producing some things, if they're good, people want to get to know you. So a couple of years ago, I, I was posting on on boards, message boards, hey, you know, guy looking for an artist, you know, who, who's going to answer this, this call? <laughs> and, and since I said I was paying, it was a lot of people. But, you know, at, at this point now, I, I can just DM people on Twitter and say, hey, are you free for a cover? would you be interested in working on this project with me so it's you know like it's it's nice to be in that in that position but that's because i spent several years investing in the community mm-hmm. if i was someone who's looking to get started right now if i was a writer and i was trying to find an artist i would start following people on twitter instagram and being friendly being friendly is you know is is the currency of social relationships just supporting what they do retweeting their work. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if if you are friendly and honest and sincere about it, they will probably follow you back at some point. You can finally, you know, maybe reach out to them and say, Hey, you know, I love your work. I've got this thing. Would you be interested in working on it with me? Or can you recommend someone? Because Mm -hmm. often artists, if they're booked up, they have like eight friends who are looking for work and, you know, they put you in touch with that person and then, and you guys go off.
1: Yeah, no, it's that's so true. You never know unless you ask. I I have an artist, a pretty well known artist, that did the map for my one of my fantasy books, and mm-hmm. I you just reached out to him on social media, you know, thinking, oh, there's no way he's gonna respond back to me, and sure enough, he did, and ended up doing the map for me. So, yeah, just anyone listening, you you never know. I mean, don't harass anyone, but you know, if you can, you just send a, a message or an email, and they they might say yes, you know.
2: Yeah, I mean, look—if—if if they're not doing anything and your pr- project looks good, uh, they'd be happy to, you know, be part of it. I also, I, it's also getting people early. Mm-hmm. You know, it's—it's it's hard to go up to someone who's working at Marvel in DC, right? If uh, you're an unknown and say, "Hey, would you mind doing a cover for me?" But like, I, I got to know Nick Robles a couple of years ago. He's now been doing like the dreaming and things at Valiant, mm-hmm. and he's done two amazing covers for me. Oh. Because, like, a- afterwards, you know, like at the time when I started getting to know him, he had just come off of just doing something for Vault. I mean, like, okay. and that was his big break. It was uh, Alien Bounty Hunter, it was, like one of the first things he had done. Oh, yeah. So he was still, you know, just like working his way up the ranks, but you could say, oh, my God, this guy, you know, he he can paint, he can draw, he's incredible. He's also a super nice guy. And so we struck up a friendship. And yeah, and so he's done, two, like I said, did a White Ash cover and just a, a killer pinup.
0: Oh, that's for awesome. Me.
2: You know, but it's, it's again, cultivating those relationships over time and being sincere about them Mm -hmm. and trying to support those people.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Now, as far as I know you have the White Ash series and then the, the spinoffs coming up, is there anything else that you've got brewing that you can share with us?
2: Sure. So I I also have this other sci-fi series I'm doing called The Game. Okay. Um, and like, a, I'll give give you a pitch that, that might resonate with you, which was, it was like if Sam from Quantum Leap jumped into the body of the Highlander. Oh. Yeah. See, like, And, and those are reference points that you know, correct? Yes. Yeah. So I, I pitched that to a couple of places and people are like, what's Quantum Leap? Oh no. What's the Highlander? I was like, oh, I'm getting old. <laughs> I just aged Quantum myself. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I only said that because uh, you said you were a little bit you know, older when Harry Potter came out. Right? Yeah. Just like me. So I, I, that's, I was taking that into account that you might know, <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, like, like, so like that's, that's, that's kind of the, it's, it's about a guy who on his 30th birthday starts seeing these numbers and he eventually realizes that it's, it's some kind of score that's keeping track of everything he does. Oh, wow. And he's been mistaken for player number three in this game that's been going on for centuries. Oh, but these wow. are mortal beings and he's just a guy or is he? And, and so, you know, we're, we're playing it out from, from that. Issue two and three of that will be coming out next year. I'm also working with a company called Immortal Studios on a book called The Adept that I co-write with Tasha Hu. And that's about a young girl, young woman who was basically trained by this Kung Fu master in her dreams. Or was she? She's not sure. then it's like, I, I think like, I find that a lot of my stories come back to perception. Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah um, I, I like that. That's really interesting. Cause I always think about that. Like, is there, you know, are you really, is it real when you're dreaming? Is it another world that you think is a dream, but maybe it's like another life you're living?
2: Right, right. So, so she basically was, was on the run and homeless for, for a couple of years, but like having these visions every night where she was being trained by this uh, wushu master and you know then the dream stopped which was kind of like her catalyst to say you know what like i've you know i I need to try to go reconnect with uh, parts of my life and so she's like the the book starts with her trying to reconnect with her sister and then there's this crazy attack at uh, a stadium and she has to kind of venture into it and see whether these things that she's been training years, were, you know, real or what she is insane, and then the master shows up, and and so it's like it's, oh, wow. it's for her kind of trying to unravel what this this history was for for you know why she you know why she's connecting with this piston and what what's this big um, game that she's uh, now a part of, and um, that's drawn by Yishan Lee, who did some incredible art for it. It's it's, it's 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 a it's a good good book as well. So I've got more of that. So like it's 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 a somewhat full slate. For, yeah. for next year, you know, between more White Ash, the White Ash spinoff series, the game and the adept, I, you know, and trying to keep growing Scout and promoting other creators. I, I think that's, that's going to yeah. be enough for yeah. 2021. <laughs> yeah, you've got
1: anyway. a lot. <laughs> and then, yes, yeah, Scout has, you know, exciting titles coming out as well. And on top of all that. And I know you've got the like the imprints. And then I saw that you have the subscription box, which looks really cool. I mean, you get, what, 12 comics a month for like $34?
2: Yeah, it's it's really a great deal for both readers and collectors. Like, like for those collectors out there, because we often put one or two of our exclusive variant covers oh, in cool. that box instead of the regular cover. So, you know, like, like we just had a series that dropped last month called The Recount. And the web store exclusive cover on that already, like a couple of weeks later, is going between 15 and $25. Oh, wow. And that was one of the books that was in there. You know, we, the the speculators and the collectors have descended on Scout lately. And I'm not going to dissuade them because mm-hmm. they're good books and they are low print runs. So they could be, you know, valuable one day. But but in terms of like a deal. What you can get delivered to your house when you're getting 12 titles a month, and it's it's basically one of everything that we're putting out. And if we don't put out 12 titles in a month, then we're dipping into like a number one of a back stock. So sometimes those are also expensive books that we're putting in there to to fill out that box. Then you know, like this this month, I think there there are going to be some Glarian posters coming out for people who get the box this coming month. Oh, cool! So like little perks like that that are just stuck in as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And no, I'm, I'm thinking about signing up actually. <laughs> <It> looks,
2: <laughs> it's, looks like like I say it's, it's a good deal. And if you want to check out the, you know, the brand for a couple of months, it's, it's a great way to, to sample. And I mean, Yasmin, which we just put out this year is also great. I think, you know, if I was to put two books up for the Eisners, it would be Canopus and Yasmin. Oh. They're both just incredible. So.
1: Very cool. Yeah. And where, where can, I mean, Can people just buy the comics straight through your website, or can they also get them through their local comic book shops or Amazon?
2: Well, I really hope they can get them through their local comic book shops. Okay. Uh, If you are a local comic book shop and you don't currently get Scout and you listen to this amazing podcast, you know, reach out to me on Twitter and we'll make sure that we hook you up. We 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 have a lot of shops. I think I think we, you know, we're we're in over probably about fifteen hundred shops. And if you go to your 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 local comic book shop and Tell them you want any of our titles; they'll they'll pull and order it for you because we're in Diamond, which is like the, the distribution magazine that the stores oh, cool. order from. Yeah, we also just signed a bookstore distribution deal with Simon and Schuster, which Ooh. then got bought out by Penguin Random House, a Random House. So you know we are now part of that conglomerate as well. So starting this summer, our trades will also be coming out through them in in bookstores and on Amazon. Oh wow! Uh, and you can always buy things through our website as well. And, uh, you know, we like to to say, we try to put our books in as many different distribution channels as possible so people can get the books, whatever best suits them. If you're a retailer, we want to make it available for, for you to get things for your store, you know, however works for you. And the same thing goes for our customer. If your shop isn't ordering Scout books, you know, tell them if they don't do that for some crazy reason, you can always get everything that we have online, or you can get a subscription box. If nice. you live in Los Angeles, or wherever I do, you know, hit me up. Maybe I can maybe just uh, drive my bike by your house and throw one on your lawn.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> Get like an Uber lift or something. <laughs> That's right. Awesome. Well, well, thank you for chatting with me today. I really appreciate it.
2: Oh, of course. I, I really appreciate being on the show and, and thank you guys for taking the time and, and spreading the word about companies like ours and you know and, and the great creators we have because I think I think, you know, in you know, more than the scout brand, I think people should check out the creators that we have that we're putting out on the shelves because there's some really great people. Like, like I said, I mentioned Yasmin. I mentioned you know, Black Cottonwood's coming out. Metal Shark Bro is one of the funniest books that's been out in a long time. They've got a couple of books out, Bob, Friends, and uh, Kevin Koff, and uh, Walter Allstyle who do that book. I mean, like there's just so many great creators, Brian Wickman, who just did grit. I mean, that was a really big hit for us. He feeds Mm -hmm. it. So whatever genre you want, we have an amazing creator that can give it to you.
1: Yeah, no, I, I definitely, I was browsing through your website and um, yeah, everybody that's listening, you can definitely find something, you know, that you like. There's multiple genres represented and there's a lot of titles to choose from too. So I, I think I might try that subscription box actually. <laughs> I think that sounds like a good way to get, get a good please, um, taste please. of everything, you know, so. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Well, so everyone go, make sure to go check out scoutcomics.com. And then you can also find Charlie Stickney on Twitter and and you have a website too. I believe it's CharlieStickney.com.
2: I I do. I mean, it's it's an older website that I don't spend enough time with because there's only so much bandwidth, but uh, the best way to find me is Twitter. Usually I'm pretty visible on there and, and approachable.
1: Perfect. Awesome. Well, there you have it. Thanks again for coming on.
2: Thank you. Thank you.
0: back well there you guys go what'd you think i hope you enjoyed it i know i did if you did enjoy it and i hope you did because you're still here listening then i would implore you to go check out spoilerverse.com there's a lot of our back issues there and you'll be shocked with the amount of people that we've talked with and the levels of people that we've talked with it's it's just been an amazing ride And you should get in the car and and, and ride with us, because it's been a lot of fun. Um, When you're there, you can also check out our store link. Uh, You know, all of our stuff is free right now. So for us to pay the bills, we do some ads on the website, and hopefully we can sell some merch. And you can have a good idea of getting a shirt or a hat. Well, actually, they don't have hats for some reason. It's weird. You need to have hats. But you have shirts and flags and, you know, all the kind of standardized stuff, and you can... Participate there and show your support for not only Spoilerverse, but for Spoiler Country and all the other podcasts that are on the Spoilerverse network. We're talking Bridging the Geekdom, Shooting the Sith, Misery Point Radio, uh, Funny Book Forensics, Narrative Gunslingers, and more. There's just so much there. You really got to check it all out. All right, guys. I think that's about it for today. I hope you really enjoyed that. But don't forget, and in an oceans of podcasts, we are Cthulhu. And as Cthulhu compels you to do, open the mind and read more.